Hello, this is Tom Pacello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast, sponsored by sales enablement platform provider, Mediafly. Our mission, to provide you with the independent insights, community advice, and tools to guide your sales enablement journey and fuel your professional evolution. My guest today is Clark Green. He is the VP of Operations and Enablement at Exactly Corp. Prior to Exactly, Clark was a global field operations and enablement exec for Snow Software and 1E, and he was a marketing exec for International Business Systems and Infor. Evolvers, please, a big welcome for Clark Green. Pleasure to be here, Tom. Awesome. So you're at Exactly, and um, can you tell us a little bit about Exactly for those who don't know what the company is about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're a leader in the sales performance management space, which involves the planning, execution, compensation, and optimization of your overall um, go-to-market um, people in a state. Awesome. And I know you're, you guys are growing, you're managing a dyna- dynamic and uh, growing enablement practice there. Um, but 2020 definitely threw us all for a loop. What, what kind of, what did the transformation look like as we went through the year for you and your organization? And what were some of the challenges that you faced? Um, yeah, my challenge is probably not too unique to at least the, any technology, um, people that you, that are, that listen, the year caused us all to look at the way we were doing things um, as far as planning and execution on the mm-hmm. operations side, and then onboarding and on, ongoing education on the enablement side. Um, we were used to flying people in for meetings. We were used to, well, let's knock out boot camp in a couple of weeks, send people home. Um, and, and so all of that goes by the wayside when you can't be logging your hundreds of thousands of miles on an airplane anymore. Um, so that where historically you might look at, look at those tangible moments, we, we had to bring life to, um, let's say on the enablement side, we had to bring life to new hires and ongoing education through zoom meetings. I I mean, just, just like you and I are talking now, um, how do we make it interactive? How how do we do space learning, uh, for example, in order to reinforce the things that not that anyone would dare zone out during any of their Zoom meetings, but you got to reinforce them afterwards. Zoom fatigue is a reality. <laughs> Zoomed out, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So then on the other hat that I wear uh, operationally, you might look at your business plan, you know, twice or three times during a year. Well, it, we had to put a system in place where we could do that continuously. None of us knew month to month or quarter to quarter what, what was going to change. And now I think as we look out, a lot of the bellwethers in technology are saying nobody's going into offices until August of next year. Mm-hmm. So, and how have you, how have we all prepared for what is round two of a pandemic or the next pandemic or what, you know, economic disaster might be out there. Mm-hmm. So we definitely had to look at industrializing our internal processes, ready to pivot on those things. So you mentioned the onboarding. So I want to jump to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, in-person onboarding boot camps was kind of how you got people up to speed. Your sales kickoff was a big event every year. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. not happening. What have you done to take their place? So what are you doing differently to make sure those are effective? Talk about some of the details there. Yeah, so um, we were actually amidst the transition to preparing our learners with 
on-demand content. So we use a learning management system called Docebo, okay. and we have um, 40 plus hours of on-demand content in that so that people can come prepared to live sessions um, with questions. They've already seen our products. They already know the processes. They've been introduced to functional leaders that they're going to meet. And so we found that preparing them with that content, they, they're coming engaged, ready for questions um, with the same people, but then the people also come with different content too. So our marketing director might come with, okay, you saw this and you're on demand. Now let me, let me give you my personal flavor, the color con commentary around it. What questions do you have for me? Um, so that, that was definitely a big change on the onboarding. We also spread it out. So instead of slamming it into two weeks, um, we would, we put it in two or three hour chunks over the span of three or four weeks. Um, again, which Zoom could sometimes be more effective, right? Cause they're getting some real experience while they're digesting some of the training. And some of it might be a little look ahead for them when they're in a meeting, but at least they're getting context to it, which I actually like better. Yeah. Yeah. They come back to the sessions going, Hey, I just experienced this. How, exactly. how do we handle it? And then they have the questions about that. So I think, I think this can provide some more context. And I love that you're giving them that homework and have such a big library of content ready so that they're using the in-person sessions to get to know the person better and to get, as you said, that color commentary that goes with it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know one of the other areas that um, you're experiencing, like all of us are, is that all of the selling has moved to virtual and at best is going to be hybrid in the future when we are able to meet with folks. Um, content and content fuels that customer engagement, which is also important. So talk a little bit about how you view the content that you had before, how that perspective might have changed the buyer's journey and how the heck you're enabling sellers to leverage this content in these virtual selling environments? Yeah, so um, so past onboarding, we go into ongoing um, and, and content management. And probably no different than a lot of companies. And some might, might, some might look at this and go, wow, you only have five, but we have five different repositories of content in our organization. Okay. G-Share, G-Drive, Confluence, Box, um, and, and now Salesforce. So when I, embarked on the journey of, or after hearing the sales reps go, content's everywhere, I can never find it. Okay, well, let's put together a sales playbook. And mm -hmm. uh, so I built a sales playbook in um, Confluence and it links to, so as you go through the sales stages, it links through what we think is the proper content and wherever it's located. So there's your place to go. Mm -hmm. Well, then you have, okay, the new people, they understand the sales playbook, how it's designed and it works, great. Um, but then you got your legacy people that didn't come through onboarding um, <laughs> since I've been on content still scattered all over. It still can't find it. Um, it. Okay. You don't want to reference the playbook. I get it. Fine. We'll do this. We went out, we rationalized and, and, and all of our content and we just built what we call a master content list. And, um, and we have it sortable by industry, by persona, by customer size, by um, any products that were sold. If it's a case study, and it's all flat. It's one flat file. And mm -hmm. reviews have come back, the rave reviews. Oh my gosh, here's everything in one spot and I can filter on it. And we don't prescribe whether it's stage one related, stage three, stage four, because as we all know, sales process isn't necessarily linear. Mm -hmm. What works for somebody in stage four doesn't necessarily work for somebody in stage one. So that was just recently released, probably about three months ago now. Like I said, to rave reviews, it's up to enablement to maintain it, of course. 
but now everybody in the business knows, hey, you release something, you want it advertised, you go to enablement. Yeah, excellent. And so the playbook is a little bit prescriptive in that it's guiding um, to yeah. kind of what they should move at the stages, but you're providing this other kind of um, uh, filtering capability so that they can quickly find and pivot to the content that they need, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yes. excellent. Um, the content itself, one of the things I'm finding is that sellers are in a lot of instances relying a lot on PowerPoint in their meetings, relying a lot on show up and throw up kind of demos. Are you seeing some of the same stuff? It's like Zoom has created this space to fill and they're filling it and they're forgetting about how to interact and have a conversation and how to build rapport. And uh, a lot of times what they're doing, whether it be the demo or certainly with PowerPoint is boring. And with people seeing being zoomed out by PowerPoint driven presentation after PowerPoint presentation, you know, it, it can become an issue. Are, are you addressing anything on the content side itself? Or are you uh, experiencing that same kind of feeling from the sales meetings? Um, well, as a buyer of a lot of stuff, yes, I feel it <laughs> uh, in meetings that I'm in. Oftentimes I have to steer conversations of, although I appreciate what you're doing, I want to talk more about this. Sure. Um, they, uh, and, and yes, for, for our sellers, um, the coming out of boot camp and then from an ongoing education standpoint, we, we, we emphasize much about discovery. Yeah. They stay away from stay away from the PowerPoints. They if you want to have a slide up, fine. And actually, we've taken what I would call what was a corporate deck from a hundred slides to we certify our reps on three slides. Wow, that that that's all we we ask is that. And um, coming from my background and something that we're looking at now, um, we've actually just 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 kicked off the project is whiteboard selling. Um, <laughs> Mm -hmm. They, uh, and, and just because you're here, you know, we're all remote doesn't mean that you, I mean, maybe you, maybe you can do the whiteboard right here, or you can have the deck so that it builds out in a more conversational format, as opposed to like you're saying, just throwing up on the prospect that's on the other side of the, the phone. And so being able to um, map out or have that conversation map for our sellers is a large focus of uh, the early funnel stage education that we do. Yeah. One of the things, Clark, that I've had good success with is um, kind of breaking up the content of that hundred slide deck into vignettes. So you'll have little stories around each one of the challenges the buyer might have. And then you can bring up those little one or two slides to help support that conversation. Um, but don't drag them through a linear deck where you're going to talk about every challenge, whether it's relevant or you know that you're having to skip over content and have it not look good. So that's where, you know, combining kind of that whiteboard approach to breaking it up with the little challenges can sometimes be really, really a good approach. And I'm um, glad to see that you're, you're seeing the same thing and feeling the same way about it. Yeah. I know another one of the issues that we're seeing is um, sellers now because they're not having to travel. Um, they've got more meetings than ever. Uh, I talked to one of my main sales folks the other day and he's like, yeah, my meeting load has probably tripled when I look at the, the week. And I'm like, triple, how the heck do you prepare for meetings? How do you process after the meeting uh, to put stuff together? So you're ready for the subsequent meeting and the follow-up and they're struggling to keep up. Are you seeing that same kind of thing? And what are you doing about it? The, uh, yeah, think, it's funny thinking about how, you, how you're framing that reps always struggle to keep up 
They've just filled the time with, a, with different, whether it was hopping on an airplane or now it's with more meetings. It, the reps have always struggled. <laughs> the, the, uh, so um, the, what we're trying to do though, uh, in spite of that, is uh, look at tool productivity tools. So we, we have things to help them with calendaring like sales loft. I've used things like outreach in the past mm -hmm. um, that to take away some of the burdens burden on outbound prospecting. Um, we have um, email automation tools and in, in our own exactly forecasting tools. So as emails are coming in, it's automatically getting logged into Salesforce. So we're not having a case reps. What's the latest here? It, it's we know what their meetings are. We know what the how the opportunity health is going. And then we recently looked at um, in our rolling out and right now um, chorus call recording application. Mm -hmm. And that helps in many different ways from a productivity standpoint. They don't need to be multitasking, taking notes during the call, transcribes the whole call. They can copy and paste the notes into wherever they want it. And they can also share that stuff out. Exactly, for coaching and best practice sharing, right? We yeah. use that a lot, a different product, but we use uh, a similar technology for that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it helps if you think about just, if you have a call recording, you could record the Zoom call via Zoom as well, sharing it to the SC, your pre-sales people, for example, if you're in technology, it, boom, here you go. I, I recorded the call. Here's your briefing. Exactly. So, or or taking those notes and turning those into a proposal or into the, what we learned from the prior meeting, right? And making yeah. sure you've got that documented. And then I love it from a coaching perspective, because yeah. if if a customer comes up with some new idea in the meeting or something that I need to ask the technical team, I just cut that snippet out, send it to them and say, here's the exact transcript or here's yeah. the recording of the yeah. customer asking for this. Can we do it? Um, yeah. You know, is it something that you ever thought about kind of thing? So I love those kind of productivity tools. I think we did a survey recently, just an informal one and data entry was one of the big areas where sellers are saying they're spending way too much time uh, and it, it sounds like you've automated some of that using exactly itself. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, if I look at my two hats, operations and enablement, I have three goals across those two hats on the operations side, because we're, we're rolling into our FY22 right now uh, on the operations side, it's visibility and productivity. Those mm -hmm. are my two. If, if it doesn't fall into those two high level objectives, I'm not doing it in FY22 and on the able, enablement side, it's, it's the year of the sales coach. And hence the reason we're rolling out things like um, our ideal customer profile, opportunity health, um, chorus to help in the coaching there. Because if I can't enable my frontline managers to at least, um, I don't know if the right word is metaphorically be in all places at once with something mm -hmm. like chorus, <laughs> yeah. then, then I don't feel as though I'm doing my job on the enablement side because enablement is always going to be smaller than your frontline managers. So we have to mechanize as much as we can. Yeah, I haven't heard that as kind of that top enablement priority. Um, how did you guys decide to make the next year the year of the sales coach? Um, so I've been here about two years now, and we've the first year I was here, it was about onboarding, mm -hmm. and, and we short and we and we shorted up um, coming into this year. So onboarding, although you're always going to refresh it, and and. and take a step back, adjust with the business, that sort of thing. Uh, I feel as though we have a pretty good handle uh, on the onboarding. Um, the, and then we've also put in a lot of metrics. So I have what I call the engagement tracker where I can anticipate attrition based upon people's engagement with the overall organization. I can see where they're, 
um, not engaging with certain elements of things that we roll out. Um, and, and so I, the, that was just, yeah. Yeah. So I've let, that was this year. And so now when I look at, okay, how do I begin to scale? It's really that frontline manager. As I bring more of those into the, what is the expanding exactly family, that frontline, I have to have a franchise for success, if you will, for that frontline manager to, to empower the, the frontline salespeople. Totally get it. So it's really about scaling that excellence, right? That you're looking at and you've got the basic education in place and you know that it's been accomplished uh, on an individual basis. You've given them the tools. Now it's up. How do you reinforce that with the coach? Right. And scale that excellence. Yeah, I love that as that second priority. And we've had several guests on that have talked to the port importance of that frontline coach and how they're often the forgotten man or woman out there. Uh, in, in how critical it is. And a lot of times the sales coaches have been elevated from individual seller roles, uh, sometimes really good lone wolf performers, but without much support and help, they don't become good coaches. So they need to be enabled. And a lot of times they need to be trained to be that good frontline manager. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Totally love it. So Another area that I know you are focused on and that uh, we worked together on was, you know, buyers are looking to do more with less. They're definitely economic focused. We don't know how long this current crisis is going to impact things economically. And we know that even companies that you're selling to that are doing well are, have still become very economic focused. Um, mm -hmm. How are you enabling your sellers to kind of communicate and quantify the unique value of your solutions and do better in this tougher economic environment? Yeah, a, a couple of things. Um, the, I guess the first point is that even with the economic environment as it is, the buyer journey hasn't really changed that much. I mean, if you go back to the, um, the simplicity of first, somebody has to realize that they have a problem. Um, so why change? Then why change now? then ultimately why exactly they have to go on that journey. And so we've had to, uh, I've spent quite a bit of time of, um, calibrating sales reps to understand that to your point of showing up and throwing up with corporate slides. I haven't gotten to there yet as a buyer myself, I, I need to orient myself to this conversation before I care what you do as a sure. salesperson. Um, and once I get to that point of, okay, I should probably change, but now I need to know when. How, how much impact is this going to have? And, yeah. and uh, one of the things that we did to, um, to bring forth it when somebody should make that change is we looked at MediaFly's ROI calculator um, because quantifying that impact could move it up on that, that level of importance. Mm -hmm. And at any given time, the CFO is usually the approver nowadays. They're being addressed with 12, 15, 30 projects, could be 120 projects, depending on the size of the organization. And so they're going to pick things that have the fastest time to value. They're going to pick the things with the highest ROI. Um, as a buyer, I immediately start going, okay, yeah, I get it. 10X ROI. I'll cut it down by 5X and I'm still in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to make sure it's aligned to a top priority, which right. is another key aspect of it. And a, and a big pain point, right? Because buyers move away from the pains that they have, which is that orientation that you speak about that's yeah. so important. Yeah, it's not, you know, the ROI is important and the gain is important, but aligning to a key priority and then amplifying that it should be a priority can be essential. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. So, and that's really one of the tools that we've given them um, the, this year in order to just bring them forward. And that's one of those, when I go back to that sales process, could be used in stage four, could be used in stage two. It, they, it, it just depends. Yeah. Yeah. And we are finding that, you know, value introducing it earlier can be effective. I mean, you've always got to look for the right time with the, with a customer, depending on where they're at. Uh, but we're finding that you can often gain more attention if you can get focused on value earlier and get the, the priority raised almost immediately. And then certainly needing that business case for approval at the end with the CF no and the COVID committee is absolutely <laughs> essential nowadays. Now you mentioned, um, a mantra that we love, and I know that uh, with the whiteboard selling methodology, you're helping to enable your sellers to communicate this. You know, why change? Why now? Why exactly? Why you? Uh, but there's also another aspect because you're selling a subscription, uh, there's a question that needs to be answered in why renew? And that's not always an easy question to answer nowadays. And you will be asked that question. Renewals aren't guaranteed anymore. And if they are, do come. Sometimes they come with an instant haircut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially this year. I mean, I, I'm convinced whether anybody was experiencing any challenges uh, around the COVID or not, they, they played that card. I mean, why wouldn't you? You could. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. The, uh, so yeah, it's, um, we, so one of the things just from a, calibration perspective our business is about 50 50 new logo and um upsell cross sell so they um and then yes we have the renewal base and one of the things that we've done with our account managers our renewal specialists customer success managers is we mapped out the entire customer life cycle and what all of those potential um point points of yeah, touch points would be so whether it's um, executive business reviews, quarterly business reviews, health checks. Um, the, the, uh, we, we use applications like Pendo to see how much of the functionality they're actually using in our application. So, so if somebody might say they're happy, but they're not using it, you kind of got to probe a little bit deeper there. So um, for me, as, as an ops guy, I'm always trying to templatize everything. So because if I can't templatize it, I, it's not industrialized, I can't repeat it. So we went, we've gone on that journey this year, and now we've got dozens of touch points that those functions I mentioned earlier are reaching out through the year so that when it does come time for renewal, there's less of a question of, well, what, what value are we getting from this anyway? Yeah, and then we're adding to, for the toolkit you already have, um, a realized ROI function that we're, we can explore, which will be great, because I do think that we've got to get the renewal discussion to talk to quantified value as opposed to, you know, the normal adoption usage metrics, those help and those you have to have to get to ultimately the outcomes based analysis for them. But I think the more we can quantify it in dollars and cents, the better it can be, especially if, um, if we can help them show how we've enabled them to do more with less or obtain more revenue. Uh, and more predictability of that revenue uh, can be a great um, way to get the renewal without the discount and without the struggle. And then to expand on, right? Uh, as you said, you know, you're, you're now a platform, not just a, you know, a point solution. There's so many aspects to the solution that you can implement. Uh, I'm sure expand selling is a big part of the business. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, that's and we and we've seen uh, with such a large portion in technology that we've seen. I mean, some some of our customers have taken off this year because we're all sitting in remote environments. The only way to to um, from a productivity standpoint it is via technology, and so yeah. we've seen seen a lot of our customers take off. Beyond what we've already touched on, um, you know, we talked about planning for this next year into 2021. What do you think is one of the biggest opportunities for sales leaders and enablement to address into 2021? Um, well, my take on it, at least in North America, uh, probably in Europe as well, from what I'm seeing, is we're all going to be in this similar situation, sitting in our home offices um, for, for at least July, August of next year my understanding um the in putting learning in the sales motion so you might call that space learning you might call it um yeah i guess i would call it space learning and then it's not really guided selling it's really learning while you're selling Mm -hmm. so um and i've used the word before but industrializing what do your a players look like what what are they doing and so when we have tools like Chorus and I see that deals are closing, what were the steps that led to getting them to close? Because now we've had, we have all of that tracked yeah. and how can I repeat that? Yeah. Similarly, uh, I'm seeing in my lead gen team, my top performing lead gen people actually don't make any phone calls. Hmm. They, um, it's digital outreach. Okay, well, I can repeat that. I can yeah. scale that. <laughs> so, but again, having the visibility to know what is working, what's not working, right. and then what are the techniques that they're using, and then replicating that. Again, getting to your industrialization. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So th- those, are the, those are the things that uh, I would look at is the, the um, being able to replicate, um, ha- having platforms in place in order to get that information. Yep. So space learning and, and industrializing the A players and the processes that work. Yep. Clark, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our Evolver community with today? Um, automate, automate, automate. That's a, I, I've, I've mentioned what a dozen different applications. Um, they, whether it's data cleaning, it's lead generation. I just, just mentioned a minute ago. Um, I interviewed somebody this morning um, for sales ops that uh, was still doing sales forecasting in G sheets, um, and the her prior role it was spent taking two days a week um, just formulating the sales forecast. I mean, there's tools for these things. If you can't get out of these repetitive manual processes, you're never going to raise your game or the or the whoever your, the company's game to the next level. And, and be able to get in ahead of whatever's around the next corner. So. Love it, Clark. Automate, automate, automate. Where can the Evolver community reach out to and find you online? Um, LinkedIn would be the best way to reach out. I mean, I see all, I see all those. I get a lot of invites a day, a lot of communications every day. So that would be the best way to do it. And only reach out to Clark for good questions. No spam. <laughs> we will include your LinkedIn address as part of the meeting notes. It was an absolute pleasure to get really good insight on the tools that you're using to automate, to, uh, to implement the mantra that you spoke about, and uh, to get your take on where we're going to be and what we're going to be faced with and how to be prepared. So Clark, thank you so much for participating with the Evolvers today. You're welcome. Thank you. Excellent. 
Until next time, evolvers keep evolving.